0: Good morning and welcome to Rock Hills. We're so glad that you guys are here. If it's your first time or whether you come every week, it's an honor to have you here with us this morning and happy Palm Sunday as we get ready to celebrate Easter. This is the event that leads up to Easter. So we're so glad that you guys are here to celebrate with us. Good news. It's meant to be shared. The good news as the video is sh- uh, shared as well is meant to be shared. There are times in life in all of our lives when Something happens to us. We experience something, we learn something, we find something out that is just so impactful that we have to tell somebody else about it. Um, I like to eat, and I I realize that uh, for some of you that may not come as a surprise at all. You're like, we can tell you like to eat there, Pastor Adam. But I I don't just like to eat, I like good food. And uh, I'm kind of a food snob even, you might say. And I've had friends tell me, How do you always find these good places to eat? And I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret today uh, that could change the way you eat when you go out to eat, all right? Here's how I find the good places to eat. There's a gentleman here in our church named Raul Flores. I just follow him on Facebook, and where he goes to eat, that's where I go to eat. And I find all the good places just because I see what he puts up on Facebook. But when you find a good place to eat, if you're like me, you tell people, you're like, you got to come try this. One of those places in particular, and they didn't pay for this commercial, uh, but maybe I'll get something free out of it. I don't know. But there's a place here in town, it's fairly new, called Max and Louise. and I saw Roel put this up a while back. I took Tiffany there. We had to go eat breakfast. And I'm telling you, this French toast right here, you will want to get saved all over again <laughs> once you eat this French toast. It is absolutely Unbelievable. Sometimes when you go eat something that's so good, right, you just have to share that because it was really, really good news. Now, I realize this is a dangerous thing to do on a Sunday morning because some of you just ate crackers and that's all you've had to eat. And I just put French toast on the screen and so now you're hungry. And some of you, the whole time the preacher's talking, all you're doing is thinking about lunch anyway. So I've just, just lost you for the rest of the message. But I got to tell you about one more because I don't know how many times I've told people about this. But there is a food trailer in Austin called Gordo's. Oh, oh, you've experienced it. This place is so undeniably life-changing. I mean, it's awful. It is just straight fried sin. They make the donuts when you go up there. And I'm not that much of a donut guy, but they make them fresh. And then they top them with the most unbelievable experience that you could ever partake in. Next time when you're in Austin, you need to go find this trailer and it will change your life. All right, maybe it's a little bit hyperbole there and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but these things are absolutely unbelievable. So as I begin thinking about things that just have to be shared these were some of the first things that came to my mind because I like food. And when you try something you really like, you tell other people about it. So I've all just done you a big favor by telling you about these two things. You need to try them soon. We all, we all get news sometimes or we have an experience sometimes. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad when information is passed on to us. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you can just tune me out right here for a second because this is just mono mono right here. When your wife says, we need to talk, you cringe a little bit, right? You're thinking, oh, no, what did I do? I did something or I didn't do something. There's information that's about to come my way that could change things for me. We've moved enough times uh, over the last 20 years in my family that even if we just want to talk about what we're going to be doing next week, when we tell our kids, 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 we need to talk to you all about something after dinner. They automatically go into shell shock because they're like, oh, no, are we, are we moving? What's happening, you know? And so sometimes when information comes our way, it can be a bit startling, right? If the doctor calls you and says, uh, could you come in? We need to have a chat. Or if the police knock on your door and say, Mr. Harris, we need to have a little talk, right? When information comes your way, it can be life-altering. But it doesn't have to be bad it can be good. Sometimes there is just things that happen in our lives that is so good that we think, man, I've got to tell my buddy about this. I've got to tell my friend. So you send a text. You pick up the phone and call. You send an email or whatever it is because you have to let people know about something that is so exciting that's going on in your life. One thing I'm excited about, just a little side note here, I want to tell you guys about our team at Rock Hills is growing here. Uh, We've got a couple back there in the back somewhere. I can't see them with the lights, but Matt and Stephanie Anguiano are here with us, and uh, they're going to begin helping us uh, connect people and also in our production, and we just officially ran him through initiation with the screens right there, and we got him back up. So way to go, Matt. Welcome to the team. Also, some exciting news we want to share with you guys. Uh, We have got a new worship leader that's going to be here in just a few weeks, that we are really excited about. We thank Megan for filling in for us through uh, this gap that we've had, but it's going to be awesome. So you guys get ready for that. That's exciting news. I want to share with you guys. Excuse me. Now, in my early years of ministry, I was a student pastor. And so when we talk about sharing information or or inviting somebody to come and see and experience, I immediately go back to this uh, and get a little bit scared Because, you know, when you're working with students, you might hear things like, hey, Adam, come here and look at this. And that could be good or that could be bad. All right. When it it starts off with something like this, hey, Adam, (laughs) come smell this. You don't want to do it. I guarantee you. Or I don't know how many times I've heard this phrase. Hey, Adam, close your eyes and open your mouth. (laughs) Just Run. If a teenager ever tells you that, just run because they want to pass on some sort of information. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. When we experience or encounter something, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, maybe it's meaningful, maybe it's just something that that makes our day, but we can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to share that with other people, and that may be casually, just posting it on your social media. Hey, guess where I went for lunch today? It was incredible. That may be something more than just casual, something that you feel an urgency to tell others about. Or it may be something that's truly weighty, something that has happened in your life that is so impactful that you feel like, I cannot dare keep this to myself. I have to let people know about what I've experienced. So I want to tell you just a little quick thumbnail of my experience. When I was 12 years old, I was at a summer camp. And I don't remember what the pastor was talking about, what he said. But I remember within my heart, within my spirit, within my soul, I knew that my, my faith needed to become my own. I knew that I needed to just stop hearing this because I'd grown up in church all my life. And I needed to make this decision on my own. And I gave my life to Christ that summer at church camp. And then when I was 16, again, I was at a summer camp. And I remember feeling the overwhelming feeling that I was called to serve God with my whole life, surrendering everything to Him and following Him in ministry, and I've never looked back since. When I was 18, I remember sitting on my dorm bedroom at college And I remember flipping through the pages of the Bible and realizing there was so much more in the Bible than I was experiencing in my life. And I said, God, you have everything. I want you to do everything you want to do in my life. I surrender all that I am to you. And it was a turning point in my life. I can look back at these experiences and see how they changed my life. So if you ever want to know why I love student ministry so much, and by the way, they had an awesome retreat this weekend. We're happy for you guys. But if you want to know why I love student ministry so much, it's because God changed my life forever, the trajectory of my life through student ministry. That was my experience. And in the midst of that, in the years to follow, I haven't been perfect. I've attempted to follow God, but I've been broken. I've hurt people along the way. I've made good choices and I've made bad choices. But undeniably, I can look back to those years and since then I can say, I have seen God's goodness I've seen His faithfulness over and over and over and over again in my life. I've seen Him provide for me and my family. I've seen His grace poured out on my life. I've felt His nearness and His healing and His power in my life. And there have been prayers that I have prayed over the years that cannot be explained by anything else other than God has answered this prayer. As I look back at my journey, I can look back and say, some things are just unexplainable. But that's why I have so much anticipation about what God wants to do here at Rock Hills every single Sunday. When God shows up here, I want to see you experience Christ because I have experienced Christ. As we go into Easter Next weekend, I have a great anticipation because, as this room fills up and we 're going to pull out every chair we have and pack them in here and I encourage those of you who are regular to sit up towards the front so we can have the back available for people who are visiting. But as we fill this room up, I have a great anticipation of what God is going to do because I have experienced his goodness, and as we look at people. As we grow over this next year, you growing in your faith, your understanding, as we grow in people attending and facilities and opportunities that God has for our church, I have a great anticipation because I have seen and I've experienced God's goodness. But my desire as a pastor is not to stand up here before you on Sundays and just explain God's goodness. Explain his presence. My desire for you is to point you to Jesus so that you can experience Jesus for yourself. That was even Jesus's own invitation. His invitation was not for the people in the Bible to come and hear an explanation. His invitation was for them to come and experience a Messiah. And that was true then, and that's true today. Jesus' invitation to you is not for you to hear an explanation. Jesus' invitation to each one of you is to come and experience Him. His goodness, His love, His forgiveness, His power in your life. His invitation is for us to come just as we are and see His goodness. Around the world today, people are celebrating Palm Sunday. I encourage you guys to pray for the church in, uh, in Egypt You haven't heard about that. There was a bombing over there as people celebrated Palm Sunday today. But we're here free to celebrate God's goodness today. And that's what Palm Sunday was. It was a celebration of the coming Messiah. It was a community coming together to come and see what God might be doing in their midst. But to set the stage as we get to Palm Sunday and talking about Palm Sunday, I actually want to go to the event that happened Right after Palm Sunday. And it's an event that many of you are familiar with. The Last Supper. As Jesus gathered together with his disciples. In an upper room. It was a very somber time. They've just gone through this event called Palm Sunday. Where people are celebrating. And they're excited about what's about to happen. And Jesus says. I need to get together with my disciples. And we need to have a talk. Right? Some of that news being shared. So here's Jesus. With these 12 guys, these guys that had been with him every day for the last three years. They would followed him through good times and hard times. People trying to arrest them, kill them. They've seen Jesus perform miracles. They've seen people uh, be healed. They've been just totally amazed by this guy who called them to come and follow him. And in the midst of this room, as they shared this last supper, it would have been a very somber moment because Jesus is explaining to them, It's all about to change. He's explaining to them, I'm about to go away. I'm about to be crucified. And there had to have been a tremendous somberness in the room. A feeling that was weighty. As all these disciples who had left everything that they were to follow Jesus began to realize everything's about to change. And we don't know what's going to happen after this point. There was a weight in the room that they could all feel. But I think as they sat around the table, I would imagine that they shared some stories about all that they had been through over the last years. You guys have been in situations like this. If you've ever lost somebody that was really close to you, and all the family gets together, and it's a heavy situation, it's a somber situation, but somehow you find a place where you can have a little bit of laughter because you can say... Do you remember that time grandpa did this and somebody else shares a story and all of a sudden there's a little bit of joy that comes as you're able to share these stories or maybe it's just when you hit a new season in life, when you're in high school or college and you're about to graduate and move on to a new season and you realize these friends that you've had forever, you're all about to go your separate ways or you've got a new job and you've been living here in San Antonio for who knows how long or you've been stationed here and all of a sudden you're getting relocated and you realize everything's about to change. And as you come together, you share stories about what has been. I can only imagine that as the disciples sat around that table, having been through good times and hard times over the last three years, they would have shared some of these moments. Philip and Nathaniel were sitting around that table, two of the disciples. Nathaniel is also called Bartholomew because obviously, Bartholomew is short for Nathanael. I don't know how that fits. But anyway, Philip and Nathanael were sitting around the table. And I think Philip probably would have said, Jesus, I remember the first day when you and I met. Here's the verse that describes that. John chapter 1 verses 43 through 49. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, come follow me. Philip was from Bethesda. Andrew, and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I think he would have said, Jesus, when you found me, you asked me to come and follow you. And everything in my life changed. But I knew if I I found something so amazing, I had to go find my boy, Nate, Bart, whichever one we want to call him. I had to go find Nathaniel. And I had to go tell him about you. It tells us that Philip went to look for Nathaniel. He realizes in this moment, this is everything that has been prophesied to us. This is the guy I have got to go find Nathanael. So he goes and he finds Nathanael. He's like, Nathanael, this is him. This is the Messiah. We have got to go and follow him. He's from Nazareth. Nathanael's like, "That's Nazareth? Anything good coming from that hood? I don't think so, you know. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. So Nathanael is hesitant You know, you're you're my boy, but I don't know that I want to go follow this guy. And the only answer Philip has for Nathaniel is simply, come and see. I know you don't believe me. I know you're hesitant, but would you just come and see? Because his one invitation to me has changed my life. Would you come and see? And here he is now, Nathaniel, sitting at the table with Jesus sharing the last supper we've all got people in our lives that we need to look for if we've discovered Jesus who's that other person that we need to go find and it's true like Nathaniel they may have a lot of hesitations and they may have hesitations for good reasons I've tried church before. I don't know if I believe this whole thing. How could somebody die and raise from the dead? Whatever it may be, they may have hesitations. But here's the good news today. Just like Philip, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be their savior. That's Jesus' role. You don't have to forgive their sins. If they come and follow Jesus, does that mean their marriage is going to be instantly better? Maybe not. Are they still going to have 99 problems? Maybe so. Are they still going to have bills to pay? Definitely, they'll still have bills to pay. But all Philip said to Nathaniel was, Come. Come and see. Who do you need to find? Who do you need to invite to come and see? Found people. People that have been found by Jesus. Go and find people. Us, just like Philip. Philip. Jesus has found us. Who do we need to go and find and invite them to come and see? I think Matthew would have chimed in in this conversation as well. I think he would have said, oh, I remember the day that Jesus met me. I remember the day that we had an encounter because, you see, Matthew was a tax collector. It doesn't mean he works for the IRS. It means he is a very, very bad man We actually did a message on him at the beginning of soul activity. So if you want to hear all of his story, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But I think Matthew would have said, dude, I was collecting taxes. I was literally robbing people as soon as they came offshore. And as I'm collecting taxes, here comes Jesus and some of you guys. And I'm beginning to freak out inside. Because there's just this overwhelming feeling as Jesus himself is coming towards me. And he's looking at me in the eye. And I'm just bracing myself for what's about to happen. And Jesus, you looked me in the eye. And you didn't condemn me. You just simply said, come, follow me. Matthew 9, 9 through 10. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Matthew is so impacted by Jesus' invitation to come and follow him that he knew if he could just get his other messed up friends, tax collectors, and disreputable sinners If he could just get them into Jesus' presence, their lives could be changed too. So what does he do? He says, yes, I'm going to follow you. As a matter of fact, I'd like to host a dinner for you tonight. Would you guys all come to my house for dinner? And I want to invite every other scumbag that I hang out with to come and meet you like I have met you. So Jesus shows up and they all have dinner together. You see, this was... This was Matthew's crew. This was his squad. These were his friends. People that he was connected with. Who is it that you are connected with? Who do you have connection with and influence with? Do they need to come and see what you have experienced? Just like these tax collectors and disreputable sinners. I think John might have spoken up as well. He was sitting at that table that night with Jesus. I think he would have said, guys, 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 I got a story for you. Do you remember the time we were supposed to go to Galilee because they went to Galilee a lot? But he would say, we didn't go through Galilee the way we're supposed to go through Galilee. You remember that time Jesus said, no, 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 we're going through Samaria. And we were all like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to go through Samaria. That's as bad as it gets. But Jesus said, no, no, no. We have to go through Samaria. So we all start walking. And remember that time we're going to town. And I mean, we're all just kind of cringing in our sandals as we get closer to Samaria, thinking, ah, oh, we don't want to go through here. And we pass that well on the outside of town. And Jesus stays there and says, guys, why don't y'all go ahead and, and get some lunch for us? So we're going into the village to buy some lunch. And Jesus stays back at the well. And then when we come back to the well, remember this? We came back to the well, and Jesus is talking to that chick. And it was obvious that this chick had some issues. I mean, this girl was messed up. And Jesus is hanging out at the well, and you were talking to her, Jesus. And we were all just hanging back because we knew something was going on because we've seen you do this so many times, Jesus, that we just stood back, and we didn't dare Interrupt what was happening at that well. And we just watched you two. Here's what happened. John 4, 28. The woman left her jar beside the well. And ran back to the village. Telling everyone, come and see. A man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I think John would have said... It was the craziest thing. Jesus was talking to this lady who came to get water, and all of a sudden, she just drops her bucket right there, and she takes off running. And we're just going, what in the world is going on? And then Jesus, we start talking again. We start start walking towards the Samaritan village, and then all of a sudden, the entire village is coming out there to meet us. We're thinking, uh-oh, are we in trouble? What's going on? But they're all coming out because this one weird lady ran back to the village and she told them all, come and see. Come and see this man that I have met. And he said, John said, that wasn't the end of it. We, we get to these people and they beg me to stay. They're all like, John, would you please stay with us for two days? And then Jesus would have to interrupt and say, no, John, they weren't begging you to stay. They begged me to stay. But the disciples and Jesus stayed there for two days. And here's what happened. John 4, 40 through 42. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay there in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but we believe because we have heard him ourselves. And now we indeed know he is the savior of the world. She's got a really awesome story. We covered her story back in the hero series. If you want to hear that, you can go back and catch it online. But this woman goes back to her community. Now, this is a community. This would have been, in our context, the people that she shopped with, the people that uh, you know she would pass in HEB, that she would see around town. It was a small town. So everybody saw everybody But this woman was not accepted by them. She was a reject. She was an outcast. She had a reputation. But yet she still goes back to her community. The people who liked her. The people who didn't like her. The people who had hurt her. People who might have encouraged her over the years. She goes back to her entire community. The past is the past. Come and see what I have discovered. And it tells us the entire village came to see. They came because she simply said, come and see. But then they believed because they heard Jesus for themselves. So let me ask you, who is your community? Who are those that you live by? The people that you shop with? The people that you know? People that know you? People that think that they know you? People who have hurt you? People who have encouraged you over the years? Who is the community that is around you that you need to say, come and see? Come and see what I have found. Just like this woman, you may not have it all together. The good news is to say, come and see, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the entire Bible memorized. You don't don't have to have it all together. All we have to do is simply say, come and see. Come and see this man who who has met me along my journey. If you know Christ today, someone has helped you experience Christ. Whether that was the person that invited you to church in the first place, or somebody who explained the gospel to you along the way, somebody encouraged you through a hard time. There are people in your life that have helped you experience Christ. As we look at these people, we see Nathaniel, we see Matthew, we see the woman at the well. None of these people were preachy. None of them were perfect. They simply passed along The message to the people that they were close to, to the people that they were connected with, and the people in their community. They said, Come and see. So that leads us up to Palm Sunday. Here we are in this village. And as you can imagine, Jesus has been doing these things day after day, week after week, month after month, town after town, village after village. He is gaining a reputation. People have heard that he heals people. People have heard that he healed the blind, that he's healed the deaf, that people have been raised from the dead, that he turned water into wine. They hear all these things that he is doing, how he's giving hope to the hopeless. And all of a sudden, he's created quite a buzz. And that leads us up to Palm Sunday, which is this monumental occasion because it's the Passover festival. And everybody has gathered in the village. So Passover festival, think the holy version of fiesta, all right? If you can put those two things together, no medals involved, just everybody gathering together to celebrate what God has done. So everybody comes together in this Passover fiesta. And this reputation of Jesus is building and building and building. So as the Passover festival is going on, word starts to get around town. Hey, Jesus is coming. I heard Jesus is going to be here tomorrow. I've heard Jesus is going to be here later today. Really, really? I mean, and you can imagine, even without social media, people just start to tell everybody. The guy, the guy who healed people, the guy who turned water into wine, the guy who walked on the water, he's coming. He is going to be here at this Passover festival. Yeah, we heard he's going to be coming in from that entrance over there, that part of town. He's going to be coming in on that road. Let's go. Let's go. Get the kids. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. So everybody is getting excited as they hear Jesus is about to come to town. Everybody wants to see him as they get ready for this Passover festival. Jesus is coming. John 12, 12. The next day, and when it says the next day, the next day right after Lazarus was just raised from the dead. So that creates a little bit of buzz, right? The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. So they hear Jesus is coming and they're like, dude, grab some palm branches or something, let's wave, let's shout, let's sing, because we hear that he's coming into town. Now the closest thing I can think of in our context to kind of give you a parallel, which isn't even close enough. But it would be something like this, lights, camera, action. MVP, MVP, here comes Kawhi, everybody's excited about that, right? I mean, they've got signs they're holding up, they've got whistles that they're blowing, they're going to be blowing air horns, everything that they can do just to celebrate. As they hear that Jesus is coming, they're grabbing palm branches, they're taking off their cloaks, and they're spreading them on the ground. They didn't have a riverboat, he's coming in on a donkey which would have symbolized humility. And so as he's coming in, they're all celebrating. They're lining the streets. They're yelling. They're chanting, glory to God, glory to God. Hail to the king of Israel. Verse 14, Jesus found a donkey and rode in on it, fulfilling the prophecy. Then in verse 17, many of the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there is nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Everyone, the entire town has come out to celebrate this man who is coming down the road. It would have been like a flash mob. Everybody just running as quick as they can to celebrate this coming Messiah. And this is what quickly, things quickly escalate here and lead us to Easter. Easter, when all the disciples go and hunt eggs and eat chocolate and smash cascaronis on each other's heads... No, not that Easter. That's not what we're talking about. This leads to Easter. They're celebrating. They're chanting, here comes the Messiah. And all of a sudden, the people in power get really nervous. So in just a few days, Jesus is arrested. He's beaten. He's put on trial. And the very same people who are cheering for him say, crucify him. And Jesus is crucified and laid in a tomb dead but then 3 days later that tomb that same tomb is going to be empty as we celebrate easter that leads us to next week that's what we're going to celebrate next week but this is what got us there this palm sunday that led to good friday that leads to this very somber event of where has jesus gone and who have we been following Only to see him rise again. This is the why behind their come and see invitation. This is the why that should give all of us motivation to go to our neighbors. To go to our family. To go to our friends. To go to our coworkers, To go to those people who even drive us nuts. And just say come and see. Would you just come and see. Again you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to be a perfect person. We just simply need to say, come and see. Over the years, I've had the privilege of working on some church staffs that uh, have seen incredible growth. And not just people in the, in the chairs, but life change, uh, multiplied, just incredible growth. And it's not the amazing screens and lights and worship leader, all those, those things are great tools. It's not that they have a great building with a great children's ministry and a coffee bar outside or whatever, although those things are great tools, and I'm praying that God opens up the door for us to have a facility sometime in the future. But here is how those churches saw incredible growth. Ordinary people, just like you, just like me, who sought after God, and as they grew, they just simply passed it on to somebody else and said, Would you come and see? The next season of Rock Hills Church, it's made by you. As we simply say, come and see. And as you experience Christ and pass it on, it goes on and on and on. There's a Nathaniel in your life that's waiting for you to just say, would you come and see who I found? There is a group in your life of tax collectors and sinners That many people would never think would enter the doors of a church. Or maybe they would. But they're connected to you. Who are just waiting for you to say, would you come and meet the person that I met? There is an entire community. Just like that Samaritan village. That is waiting for you to say, come and see. Who's your Nathaniel? Who are your tax collector friends? Who is your community? It's not our call to save them. It's not our call to fix them. We can't get them to heaven. Only Jesus can do that. All we can do is love them and invite them. That's what these egg cards are for. They're just a simple way for you to love your friends and neighbors and invite them to come. So if you need a little assistance with your invitation, this is an easy way for us to be able to do it. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, that as we see these people, you, you called people who were not perfect, who didn't have it all together. But, Lord, you called them to follow you. And we thank you that you call us to do the same. Lord, there are those here today that need to answer that call, surrender all that they are, and come and follow you. And, Lord, there are many people in our lives that we need to say, would you come and see the man that I met? Would you come and experience what I have experienced. Lord, I pray that you would put on every single one of our hearts. Who should we invite? Who would you put in our path this week, Father, that we might say, come and see and show them the love of Christ? I want you to take just a moment. If you need to surrender your heart to God, I want you to take a moment to do that. If you need to pray for people that God is putting on your heart, I want you to take a moment to do that as well. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for your presence here today. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my prayer for next week. I'm going to ask uh, our visual team to put it up on, on the screen for us. This is what I've been praying, and uh, I just want to read it over us as a benediction of sorts today, uh, that this is where we would be as we our hearts get ready for next week. Lord, would you allow us, to celebrate the resurrection of Christ as if we were there to witness it in person. We want to be amazed and marvel at it as if it is the first time we have heard it. That's my prayer for us as we go into this next week. Lord, come and amaze us. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday on Easter. God bless you.